Hey, everyone, we're taking the week off. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. This week, we're re-releasing our episode on the mischievous haunted doll Robert and all of his antics. In the meantime, you can head over to our Patreon for some bonus content, like our mini-sodes, including a recent update on the hashtag Free Britney movement, and a Reddit relationship advice segment that had both of our jaws on the floor. We also added an all-new segment, Dear Sinister, where we take personal questions from listeners and provide them with our best advice. Thanks so much for listening, and keep it creepy. A harmless gift, a simple doll in a boy's sailor suit. But for one man, this doll was more than a plaything. It was a companion a lifelong friend, and a force in his life. Is this creation, made of fabric and wool, nothing more than a misunderstood toy? Or has he earned his reputation through decades of chaos and destruction? This week's episode is Robert the Doll. Up, bump in the night, your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Well, I hate dolls, and this is one of the reasons why. <laughs> I was remembering way back when we discussed your porcelain dolls mm-hmm. in your mother's attic yep, and how possibly they would come down slash move or there was like dust, right? Didn't they make a move in the dust on a table? I used to get a porcelain doll. And in fact, I ran across an old picture from middle school where I was, it was obviously a birthday party and I was opening gifts and I was opening a port, one of the porcelain dolls. And I just had a look of wonderment and innocence on my face <laughs> until they came to life in my room months later and tried to kill me. I had wicker furniture that had a glass tabletop on it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I had them, the porcelain dolls, which had these little metal bases that they stood on, lined up on the glass. And in the morning, when I, after I go to sleep, I would wake up and they would have moved. No. And my mom didn't believe me and said, why don't you take a marker and mark on the glass and then in the morning see if they really moved. And I did. And they had. And then they went in the attic. No. Because I was going to ask if it was like during the day, like you go to school and come back and maybe your siblings had moved them or played with them. Because I 100% used to mess with my sister's dolls while she was at school. But no, it's overnight. It was and overnight. You marked it with a marker. Yeah. No, no, they were is... they were getting up and walking around my room, no, and no. Um, probably you know just crawling up onto my bed and watching Ugh. me sleep. I don't know. With what their they tiny were hands, they're thinking about like choking you with their tiny, their tiny hands. porcelain hands, just like trying to claw down my cheek. Ugh. Yeah, those things are still in the attic, and well, maybe I don't know. They may have they're gone. <laughs> For all I know, they're off. they're living their life somewhere else. I don't know. <laughs> In sunny Florida. Yeah. Just, I'll <laughs> go up into my mom's attic and there'll just be a little hole out of the side of a cardboard box and you'll just see little uh, scrapings of where their metal base <gasps> is taking them down the stairs. Oh, man. Too scary. Yeah. I don't like it. Well, I don't like this it. stall is even worse. Yes, and has already made his way to sunny Florida, so he doesn't need to get up and walk. I don't even believe in this stuff, and it still freaked me out, some of the stuff that I read. Honestly, looking at the photographs, I thought oh. my my gut reaction was, 
fuck this thing. And then I thought, excuse me, hello, sir. I respect you if you can somehow psychically hear me all the way in Dallas. That's true. Uh, my first reaction was burn this and throw its ashes in the ocean. Why? <laughs> my first reaction was who makes a doll that looks like this? Yeah. It's, it's honestly terrifying. Honestly. I don't know, man. The 19, early 1900s are a weird time for toys, I guess. Yeah. And masks and stuff. Everything was very gothic and freaky. Don't like any of that. I don't like circus uh-uh. shit. I don't, uh-uh. you know, uh-uh. that I call any of that. Like music from back then, killing music. It's just anything. Like on a tiny, like a music box coming to life. (laughs) I hate all of that stuff. I don't know what the genre for that stuff is called, but it's my most hated genre. The killing genre. The (laughs) killing era. Yeah. Well, we're talking about Robert the Doll. Even the name sounds like Robert the Doll. I know it's like usually a doll is like my little there. Someone sent me an 80s ad, Jamie McCraw, who I do comedy with it with, with watermelon. She sent me an 80s ad that was like, this is baby Heather. And everyone's like, what a baby. And I was like, accurate. But something kind of a cutesy name, like my little, you know, Maggie doll or whatever. This is like, I go by Roberts, my <laughs> Christian given name. And it's also like, that is a spirit of a man, an adult yes, man in that doll. And that he has. It's not like we go by Heather the human. it's like he has to even have the doll in his name it's a moniker just in case lest you forget what he is he he is uh robert the evil spirit possibly well i'm christy the the human that's right i'm heather the baby the major baby (laughs) i wonder if there's a doll named after me I'm sure there's there's a bar in Uptown. I always think of you because it's called Christie's and it's spelled just like you spell oh, yours. Oh, I think of that when I see Christie's Toy Box, which is an adult novelty store. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I own neither. Wish I owned both, quite Damn. honestly. Well, we're talking about Robert the Doll and uh, this little son of a bitch is something else. So <laughs> this was a uh, listener suggestion from... Mm-hmm. A South Cat on Instagram. So thank you so much for this one. Let's get into it. Key West, Florida is full of haunted legends and ghastly tales. Its long history and its proximity to the sea make it the perfect place for ghost stories to take hold, involving pirates, haunted ships, and ancient architecture. But one seemingly innocent doll called Robert is perhaps the most famous eerie resident. Do you ever spend time in Key West in your Florida days? I have been to Key West. Yes, I have. It's a very, it's very fun. It's very quirky and kind of kooky. But that, I mean, that's like how we say keep Austin weird. Like this mm. whole, it's not an island. Uh, what's it called when you got three things? A key? A jet? jet uh, Maybe, no, I guess it is an island. It has a bridge that goes from the mainland okay. over there. Yeah, there's a series of keys. Um it's a it's a cool place though. Lots of fun bars and restaurants. It was hot as shit when I was there, and I got attacked by sand fleas. But you know, uh, it, I did not go on any of the haunted tours. In fact, I don't even mm. know if I knew that it was known for being a haunted place. But if I go back, then I'm definitely going to visit some of these. I would love to see Robert the Doll in person. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> So you've never been, I guess, to nope. Key Weston. Have not. Miami is the furthest south I've been. Like many supposed haunted entities, there's some debate surrounding Robert's origins. 
Some researchers believe the doll was manufactured in 1904 at the Steiff Company, a German-based manufacturing company, and the original creators of the teddy bear. Under this theory, the doll was purchased by the grandfather, a four-year-old Key West resident, Robert Eugene Otto. The grandfather had visited the factory during a trip to Germany. As the story goes, the doll was never intended to be purchased. It was instead to be placed in a window display. However, little Robert's grandfather knew his grandson would adore the toy and convinced the makers to sell it to him. Key West locals, however, tell the tale that the doll was a handmade gift to young Robert by a young Bahamian servant working in the auto home. Historians like David Sloan, owner of the Key West Ghost Tours and author of the book Ghosts of Key West, speculate that the girl may have put some kind of voodoo curse or performed black magic on the doll as revenge for the Otto family mistreating her and the other domestic workers. So it's kind of a split origin story. Or maybe the grandpa brought the doll and then he liked it and the little girl cursed it as, you know, because she knew he liked Mm, it. Could be. While the original maker of the doll remains in question, the unique appearance of Robert is not something that can be contested. At 40 inches tall, Robert stands just over three feet. His eyes are beady and black made from two buttons, and have no lids or lashes. While his body is made of cloth, his insides are stuffed with wood wool known as excelsior. At his inception, Robert's face was smooth and painted to look more like a jester or clown. However, that is now worn off, leaving behind only an impish grin and a head that has suffered years of wear and tear. They wore the clown makeup off. That is a oh well-worn doll. <laughs> Just when you think this thing can't get any worse, it used to be a clown. That's right. (laughs) God, mercy. I can't imagine, and maybe I'm I'm a weirdo, but if someone had presented this to me at four years old, I would have I would have ran away from home. I would have screamed, yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's not a especially a the soulless black unblinking Mm -mm. eyes of a clown doll. No. Ella is very particular about stuffed animals or any kind of toy like that if it's animatronic or in any way possesses some sort of like human quality if it's anthropomorphic quality she's not a fan oh yeah she's like why is it talking? <laughs> she's like no no well she knows what she does she, that we're no even if she was into this i'm sorry we're not allowed to have oh, stuff no. like this in our house ever no ma'am <laughs> upon young robert otto receiving the doll he became immediately enamored with his new toy He took it everywhere he went, dressed him in his own clothes, a crisp white sailor suit and hat, and even decided to name the doll after himself, declaring to his mother that she should now call me Jean. When his mother asked why, her son simply answered, Because Robert said so. Once again, how do you make this thing worse? Put a sailor suit on it. Yes, with a fun little hat. Also, as a mom... If your kid tells you, like, this is a question because I was a very imaginative kid and I had three imaginary friends, Ferris Bueller, Sloan, and Cameron. I'm sure we've talked about it before, the the cast from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And so I would tell my mom that they told me stuff. And they, they remembering it back, they were very real. Who knows if it was ghosts hanging out with me in a heart and souls kind of situation and they... Just took that form. My sister also had a, an imaginary friend that she would tell my mom, oh, you can't close the door yet. The baby has to come through. And it was a little baby that followed my sister around. Much which creepier. Me. Much creepier. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Broderick is more creepier than tiny I baby. would much rather have the cast of Ferris Bueller around me than a <laughs> tiny baby. 
Yeah. It's so creepy. But my question, because and then my sister would be like, the baby said this. And it's like, babies don't talk. But as a parent, if your child either is talking to an imaginary friend or has like a doll or a bear and the doll, they're like, put it up to their ear. And they're like, the doll said that mommy has to go in the bathtub with a toaster. Like, what do you do if your kid starts talking? <laughs> then, well, in, in that scenario, I think I would say, you know what, let's find a therapist. I think it's <laughs> I think it's normal for kids and even healthy to have imaginary friends because mm-hmm. it's a way that they kind of act out their feelings, kind of like play therapy. I remember having, I don't remember them in detail, but I do remember having imaginary friends that were almost, I would almost just like talk to something as kind of mm-hmm. a sounding board, more like I was kind of talking to myself, but it was something that was there with me. But Ella talks to stuffed animals and puppets and asks mm-hmm. us to hold them and then talk for them. And then she'll talk to them like they're, I don't want to say alive, but she also understands that we're making it talk. So that's true. And y'all are participating versus her coming in and saying, the bear said, my, you know, my teddy bear told me this. Well, she did run into me earlier in the living room and said, there's a scary clown in the dusty bedroom. So... Oh, what God. the fuck do Jesus. I know? <laughs> I went, Sell your house. Went, what is happening in the dusty bedroom? What world? First what all, door did you rude. just step through? Yeah, uh, I, she's talking about Pennywise because Tommy has this creepy ass Pennywise oh. doll in uh, in where I am right now. But she will say um, she likes to say there's monsters everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. She'll say there. Look, there's a monster over there. Oh, I'm scared. There's a monster. Or she says monsters are going to eat us all the time. But I chalk it up to a creative imagination which i like yeah we encourage now if she comes in and is like holding a knife she's like the monster told me that mommy needs to die then uh yeah we're gonna be making some calls yeah it's true it's more concerning yes what at what age did you did the ferris bueller cast dissolve um probably around eight or ten so i mean i was pretty maybe yeah probably eight i think that's about normal yeah, I was pretty, I mean, you know, it wasn't like I was just a five-year, like, little bitty. I was pretty, you know, I had, like, real friends, uh, you know, in-person friends, too. But I rem- That's the age I remember talking to mine, too, was, like, a, yeah. middle or elementary school. Well, not content for Robert to be just a doll, Jean insisted on treating him like a member of the family and would even speak about Robert in the first person. The doll was almost always by Jean's side. And when it wasn't with the boy, it was lounging in its own room up in the attic that Jean himself furnished to make Robert comfortable. Robert seemed to like his new surroundings. Jean also enjoyed spending time in the space he had designed for his adored toy. The family even reportedly heard footsteps and giggling coming from the attic late at night, sometimes even after Jean was fast asleep in his own bed. These parents are given a lot of leeway. That's... The first time I hear little footsteps walking around up there, like, what is it? What is his name? Um, Seinfeld? Who? The little doll that they're scared oh, of. Oh, oh, Mr. Marbles. Mr. Marbles. <laughs> first time you hear Mr. Marbles, just like, off the top of the floor. Burn that thing. Yes. Right away. Right away. Gene had clearly found a best friend in Robert and, as it turned out, a new and convenient scapegoat. Historian David Sloan told PBS, The doll took a bizarre effect on Gene. Everywhere he went, whenever he got in trouble for things as a child, he said, I didn't do it. Robert did it. At first, the autos were amused that the boy seemed to love the doll so much. 
according to several sources, they'd even hear little Gene upstairs in his room whispering to his new friend. This adorable interaction turned disturbing, however, when the autos heard a deep, scratchy voice answering back. I don't like that. <laughs> nope. I don't like any of this. Nope. Nope. The older Gene got, the bigger the mischief became. Some of Gene's toys would end up ripped, mutilated, or destroyed altogether. When Gene's parents would ask him what happened, his answer was always the same. Robert did it. Why are kids so fucking weird and scary? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think. I would just blame stuff on my sister, and then she would blame stuff on me. You know, we, but... I think if my, I honestly, if I told my mom, if I messed a bunch of stuff up, especially if I destroyed stuff, because we were, were poor and you were like, you got what you got and you were happy to have it and you did not mess it up because you weren't going to get another one. So if I went and started ripping my dolls up and I was like, my, my size Barbie told me to do it. My mom would have thrown her ass in a dumpster. <laughs> or you're like, Ferris Bueller did it. <laughs> no. There would be a drop dead Fred situation of like, <laughs> we're putting him in this this box. And if you say anything else, I'm going to send him off to be crushed. Yeah, I don't remember blaming anything on toys. I don't think mm -mm. either one of my parents would have bought that either. No, I don't even remember blaming stuff on my brothers. I think I probably just lied a lot. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> or like, uh, just, an elephant came in here. Yeah, I don't know. When Gene was 10 years old, things appeared to escalate between him and Robert, according to Ghost and Gravestones, a popular Key West haunted tour company. One evening, as Gene lay sleeping in his bed, he was suddenly startled awake, only to find his beloved doll sitting at the end of his bed, staring at him. Gene's fearful screams then pierced the night air, waking everyone in the house. Frantic, his mother sprung from her bed and raced down the hall to tend to Gene, only to find his bedroom door was locked. An unusual occurrence. As Jean screamed for his mother to rescue him, she desperately tried to break down the door. When she finally pried it open, she was shocked to see Jean's room in shambles, with all the furniture having been tossed about and flipped over. The most terrifying sight, however, was little Jean, curled up in the fetal position on his bed, with Robert mischievously sitting at the foot. When she asked her son what on earth had happened, his refrain was the same as always. Robert did it. Uh -uh. Let me ask you a question. If you walk in into this scene, do you think, oh, this doll is haunted? Or do you think, my kid has some issues? Also, I'm pissed that I now have to clean this up in the middle of the <laughs> night because he just <laughs> lost his mind. Well, I don't have kids, so I just always think what my mom would do. And she'd be like, well, I don't care what Robert did. Your ass is about to get up, <laughs> put all this furniture back. Robert can watch you or he can help you. I don't care, yeah. but you're, I'm not putting it up. You're putting it up. And then she probably, I'm telling you, man, she'd have thrown this thing. She probably would have lit it on fire in the backyard and been like, watch it burn. Nancy then had the right I'm, idea. She's like, Robert did that. I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would not believe that the doll did it. I would, might be concerned that my child was blaming this stuff on the doll because I would be True. like, we've got some behavioral issues here that we need to get some help for. I'd also be straight up pissed that this room was wrecked. And now, Messing it up. Yeah, exactly. Well, I do wonder because others have described a sentience that they feel. So who knows? Maybe his parents felt afraid or were they let him have so much leeway with his doll with like his behavior regarding this doll because if they got near it they got an achy feeling like this thing's cursed true yeah i didn't really see anything about how the parents felt about it mm -mm. or maybe they felt that way about gene true maybe he was a 
Problem Child, the movie situation. Classic. John Ritter, come on. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I just listened to an old Dave Barry audiobook with John Ritter as a narrator. Oh. I was like, God rest his soul. He, I miss he John was Ritter. great. He really was. Man. Eventually, Gene left home to study art in Chicago, leaving Robert behind at his parents' house. Then, while in Paris studying the old masters at the famous Sorbonne, Gene met Annette Parker, known by friends as Anne. The daughter of a wealthy family from Boston, Anne was elegant and charming and found herself in Europe on tour as a professional concert pianist. After the two married, they spent time in New York, where Gene worked on his art, and Anne was a featured performer at the famous Rainbow Room. In 1945, when Gene's mother fell ill and passed away, the couple moved back to Key West and into Gene's childhood home at 534 Eaton Street to start a new life together in Florida. Their home became known as the Artist House, and they entertained frequent guests, according to the Keys Weekly. Residents of Key West were enamored not only with Gene, who many considered to be eccentric, and his art, which lined the walls of the couple's home, but also with Anne's grace, wit, and delicious baking. Yeah, they were kind of like the it couple they back were. then, because he was a fancy artist, she let him play her piano, and then she apparently made really great key lime pie that she got the recipe from Gene's mom, and they would entertain people, and after everybody had pie and was kind of sitting around, she would say, now, now, which art piece are you guys taking home? What, you know one of you want it. So it's kind of a, a grift. She mm. would, they would seduce them in and then try to sell his paintings. You know what? That's the first MLM. That's <laughs> that's a, the high-level MLM right then. That's right. They tell you you get, a free, you get free pie, and you show up, and they try to sell you some you damn art. You know what? Free pie is going to get me a lot of places. I might I walk go. away with some art if free pie was promised. And I do love key lime pie, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that graham cracker crust. I guess you got to find a gluten-free one. Yeah, do. Or usually, like, with pies and cheesecakes, depending on how the cheesecake's makes, I just eat out the inside oh, and eat the crust. Oh, yeah. Despite now being a grown man, Gene still held the same reverence for the doll as he had when he was a boy. Rather than toss the doll in a closet, Gene set him up in a chair in the same room where he would paint, positioning Robert so that the doll could see out of an upstairs window. Given this position, anyone walking by the well-known house could see the figure sitting there, staring down at them. But Robert wasn't always sitting still. Some would claim to see the doll move its head, following them as they walked. Others claimed it would move out of its seat in the window, then back in, all on its own. The creepy feeling people got when passing Robert pervaded the neighborhood, and most locals would take a different route to keep themselves out of Robert's gaze. I'm not a fan of HOAs, but I think if you had one, they'd be like, no haunted ass artifacts in the window. You're upsetting the children. If I walked down my street and saw a three foot doll just sitting in the window staring, <laughs> I don't I'd call not even three one one. I'm calling nine one one about you something like that. Fuck a rock through the window. <laughs> <laughs> the, the neighbors around here have been putting stuff in the window. I'm assuming for families going on walks, there was a big sloth. I thought yes, of it the other day. Yes. Kermit the Frog. And then someone just put a huge nativity scene up. And I was like, I guess if you have it in the house. <laughs> hey, you know what? Well. Christmas in July. They Yeah, there's that teddy bear parade thing that a bunch of mm -hmm. neighborhoods do. There's a couple over here, too. I had some in our front window for a while. And then I put them up. I, I, I put our a, Christmas our tree up instead. <laughs> Our Rodney, yeah, our skeleton that, in the that we window. got for, I should. I, he's sitting up in the studio, which sometimes I forget and look over my shoulder and I'm like, Ugh. put that, put that thing up put there. him like in this crazy position where his like arms and legs were in the air and I came in and I'm like, what the fuck? But I, I try not to give him too much energy. You don't want to 
Robert the Doll suit. I say you um, put him in the window with uh, where Buffy and uh, the goose can get to it. And yes. Just let <laughs> let the neighborhood go go crazy. See them all. Local residents weren't the only ones to fear the child-sized doll. Anne hated the doll and felt he was coming between her and her husband. Some stories say that Jean insisted Robert sit at the dinner table with he and Anne, even making her serve the doll his food first, saying, He's the man of the house. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I, I love Tommy, Mm-mm. but some things are deal breakers. <laughs> you gotta draw a line in the sand. <laughs> man, and this is, this is a big line. Making spaghetti for a baby doll <laughs> is too much. I mean, I honestly, beyond just like that, at this point, if I'm Anne or anyone that knows of this relationship, I'm like, uh, this man ain't right. Something, yeah. something's fucked up. Like he's got some mental health stuff going on or I don't know. I mean, this is the makings of a serial killer. It's a strange delusion to put that and a dangerous delusion to put, take away your own personal agency and responsibility for things and put it onto the doll. And I'm telling what, so. At the end of the meal, because you and I, you know, husband and wife sit down, you feed the doll, you put the plate in front of the doll. I'm guessing he's not going to eat it. We don't know that, Heather. We don't know. He may eat everything. He may ask for seconds. Yeah, he's slurping that spaghetti. He just, (laughs) when you look over and then there's a little bit of drop of, it's like, is it blood? Is it spaghetti sauce? We don't know. But then I guess you clean it, clean up after it. Yeah. I'm not about this. No. Hell no. Whew. Reportedly, Jean could also become cross and even abusive toward Anne. David Sloan told PBS, Some people say he was abusive toward her, and when he was confronted with the abuse, he would say, I didn't do it. Robert did it. See, this is where it's it's not even fun anymore. No, it's this, horrifying. This is, he's got some serious mental health issues that are, yeah, it's almost like multiple personality disorder mm-hmm. or... He's just a sociopath and completely absolving himself of responsibilities and some kind of delusion. Yeah, you got to get out of that. You got to yeah. move your ass back to Paris. Yeah, exactly. You left Paris to come live <laughs> under the reign of a doll? Hell no. No. Fed up, Anne begged Jean to lock the doll in the attic, thinking this may alleviate some of their issues. In an attempt to appease his new wife, Jean obliged. Unsurprisingly, this did not make Robert happy. Those that visited the home reported hearing devilish giggling coming from the locked attic, while angry footsteps paced back and forth, according to ghosts and graveyards. Can you just imagine you're with your husband in bed, things are getting amorous, and you look over his shoulder and a little head pops up with two beady little eyes. Oh, no. You just see these little cloth hands come up over the comforter and he just pulls himself up where all you can see are the tops of his eyes. Oh, and that little hat. And she's like, oh, the thing you were doing last night with your fingers was amazing. And he's like, I didn't do it. Robert did it. She's like, maybe maybe I've been wrong about this doll. Go go get him out of the attic. Let let him stay. (laughs) You know what? There's room for one more in this bed. (laughs) He can have all the spaghetti he wants. (laughs) Well, not one to be contained, Robert soon found a way to escape from the locked attic. Perhaps jealous of the neighborhood children and their ability to run free. Robert supposedly would taunt them from the upstairs window, for which he was known for sitting. Upon hearing these claims, Jean was in disbelief, as he was certain he had locked Robert in the attic. 
However, when Jean went to investigate, he became shocked when he opened the bedroom door, only to discover his precious doll sitting in the rocking chair beside the window. This would become a terrifying regular occurrence. Jean would lock Robert in the attic, only to find he had somehow escaped and was once again perched at the window. You know, neighborhood people come by knocking on the door. Um, excuse me, I need to talk to you about your son. We don't have a son. Well, <laughs> well then who's jacking the off in the window? And they're like, oh, I had Jesus. to explain to Clara what jacking off was. First of all, she asked me why the sailor boy was touching himself. <laughs> oh, he's just got a little cloth pee-pee. And they're like, just when he gets excited, Excelsior just shoots everywhere. <laughs> So we don't know. We haven't seen what's under his pants. He could have complete anatomy. Like, and it's not even doll anatomy. It's like actual child anatomy. Oh, I should never say child anatomy. Please forget those words came out of my mouth. Jesus. I'm going to get reported. Crying. I'm oh a mom. God. I can't say that. <laughs> well, you as a as a parent, you need to be concerned about what kind of doll your That's kid is true. playing with. And I don't know that his parents did due diligence on this thing. No, so we don't know what is going on. In that fact, doll. maybe that's how it came. And they're like, "Gene, uh, you better put some clothes on that thing." Because I'm tired of looking at his wiener. <laughs> it's fl- it's flowing free. <laughs> also, I mean, I think it's we can. I have assumed that the spirit inside of this doll was a man, because given the name Robert, but. Maybe it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's creepy. It's creepy if it's a kid and it's creepy if it's a grown up. Who, yeah. It's creepy if it's a, a female, male, whatever it is. It's, Demon, who cares? I don't, yeah. Any way you slice it, it's not a piece of the pie that I want. That's one pie <laughs> I'm not coming over for. The fucking Robert the Doll pie. No, thank you. Sinisterhood will be right back. Christy, one of the hardest things I do is my nails. It's so freaking hard. It's very hard to paint your own nails. And we are both big nail people and used to get our nails done all of the time Mm pre-pandemic and struggled so much with wanting salon-looking nails at home but not wanting to go to the salon. Mm -hmm. And Heather, (laughs) I I found this product on my my own. I ordered it. And I immediately raved about it to you. Did I not? You did. You were like, you sent me pictures or you sent a picture or something of you holding something. And I was like, when did you get your nails done? And you were like, let me tell you about Olive in June. Yes. Yes. And then I proceeded to tell everyone I knew about it. And then I said, we need to get these guys on the show because everyone needs to know about these products because they've literally changed my life. Your non-dominant hand looked amazing, and th- or your dominant hand was painted amazingly, which means you you painted it with your left hand. And I'm like, how? I yes. can't do that. Yes. I cannot do that. Well, that's where they come in. They're the answer to creating salon-perfect nails at home. So in case you need a f- refresher, here is why Olive and June is amazing. Their nail polishes last seven-plus days and do not chip. And with the Olive and June Manny system, you can achieve beautiful salon-perfect nails at an affordable price. Plus, all of the tools are easy to use, including, this is the game changer, mm-hmm. the Poppy, a patented brush handle that makes it so easy to paint with both of your hands, not just your dominant one. This solved all my at-home nail painting problems. It, this is, it's... You attach it to the top of the nail polish bottle, and it is, it's so easy to paint your hands with. Either hand, it doesn't matter. Also, the whole Manny system comes with a buffer, a nail file, nail, nail clippers. You can include different kinds of nail polishes. 
a the coolest way to take off your nail polish is this little pot and you just stick mm-hmm. your fingers in so you don't have to like get it get it all over the place and it also comes with a little attacher so you can do your toes too with just it's everything the foam. You need. it's so it's so amazing and the colors are all beautiful and they really don't ship they even mm-hmm. tommy was like it really does look like you went and got your nails done before Olive and June, my nails looked like they were painted by a five-year-old. I was so impressed with how amazing they looked after I started using this that I'd literally recommend it to anyone I talked to. My nails have literally never looked so good, and I did them all by myself. Getting beautiful, salon-perfect nails at home is now a dream come true with Olive and June. Your new nail life is here. Visit oliveandjune.com slash creepy and use code creepy for 20% off your first Manny system. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash creepy. Code creepy for 20% off your first Manny system. oliveandjune.com slash creepy. Code creepy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. You may not be feeling down and out and depressed, or like you're at a total loss, but if your stress is high, your temper is shorter than usual, or even if you're starting to feel strain in any of your relationships, you could probably use the chance to unload. When there are things you can't tell anyone or feel like you can't unload to family and friends, you need to unload it, and that's what therapy can be. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Unload the stressors and get some unbiased feedback. You'd be pretty surprised at what you might gain from it. See if it's for you. I actually got a very lovely text from my therapist today that gave me just a little bit of encouragement in the middle of the week between our sessions, and I that's why I love oh, BetterHelp. I love that. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Sinisterhood listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Sinister. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Sinister. In 1974, Gene Otto passed away. Suspicion surrounds his death with some saying that when Jean's body was discovered in the attic, Robert was sitting on top of him, his little hands wrapped around his former friend's neck, according to Workforce Software. I guess you can't, as the medical examiner writes, <laughs> strangled by a doll. <laughs> Cause of death, doll strangulation? Um, you know what? I think it's your job to report exactly what <laughs> you saw, so I hope that if that's what someone witnessed, it is written down somewhere. They're like, we tested the skin. There was no human fingerprints or uh, skin, but there was wool and fabric. Yes, under Jean's fingernails, it's just excelsior. (laughs) Exactly. Despite Anne's hatred for Robert, she didn't dispose of him or burn him after her husband's death. Rather, she moved back to France and out of the house she shared with Jean, opting to lease it out to new occupants. Two years later, Anne also passed. Rumors circulated that she had gone mad from her years spent with the doll. This woman gets the patience, most patience award. God. For not burning the house down with both of them in it. The doll and the man. What if you get back to your, no joke. What if you get back to your house in Paris Mm. and you're just like getting ready to go to bed at night and you just hear a little. (laughs) No. It's like, it's like uh, sleeping with the enemy. (laughs) <laughs> she just goes to open the cabinets in her kitchen and it's just spaghetti jars of spaghetti sauce every so, like <gasps> how how <laughs> it can't be oh man 
Well, prior to Anne selling the house, she had written a strange clause into the lease. The new tenants had to agree the attic space would be reserved for Robert. As luck, or rather misfortune, would have it, the new residence of the artist's house included a 10-year-old girl. The young girl was thrilled to discover Robert in the attic, certain she had found a delightful new toy. That joy quickly turned to terror, however, when the unsuspecting girl discovered Robert's true intentions. She told her parents that Robert was not a nice doll and instead wanted to hurt her. In addition, the new occupants were disturbed to hear scurrying above them in the attic space. Could it be animals scratching around up there? Perhaps, but when they went to investigate, they would find that Robert had moved from one side of the attic to another. Fearing for their safety, the family soon moved out. Um, this podcast is I can't give legal advice, but I'm going to go ahead and do some. If you get a tenant, you get a lease, and it says a freaky ass doll has got to occupy one of the rooms. Strike that clause. God and damn. You say no, 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 no. First of all, don't move into that house. You don't want to. You don't want to be a part of that. You're not. That's not a thing you want to play with. That's no. Fire. When Myrtle Reuter bought the house later that year, she took over the role as Robert's new keeper. The two lived in the house for nearly six years but moved to another home on Von Fister Street in 1980. Visitors to Myrtle's house also claimed to hear strange footsteps. As if that weren't spooky enough, any time Robert was in their presence and someone said a negative word about Jean Otto, Robert's expression seemed to change to one of anger and disgust. Couple things. Uh, Von Fister Street, hilarious. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Myrtle Reuter is like the rural juror. That's Dur- real hard to say. <laughs> Also, why doesn't she have a plumbing business? Because that's That's a missed opportunity. Myrtle Reuter. (laughs) When you get a a turtle stuck in your pipes, who do you call? Myrtle Myrtle Reuter. Myrtle Reuter. It's impossible. It's very hard to say. But also, I would love to have some type of object that after I die and someone shit talks me, it it curses me. Yes. Yes, that's that's, a, that's why you have kids, friend. Heather. That's true. <laughs> so could, that's that's why I have Ella. Uh, then I will have a child rather than a haunted doll. No, or you never know. You no one, no one uh, gives birth to a haunted doll. They just find you. The, the haunted doll finds you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Still, Myrtle and Robert seem to live together harmoniously despite his antics. But in 1994, Myrtle gave him over to the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West provide herself some relief. Legend has it Robert locked Myrtle in a room, and she was finally fed up. She told the museum that the doll had been moving all on its own and must be haunted. It was only a few months after ridding herself of Robert that Myrtle passed away. I mean, she hung on to him for a couple of decades. That's, yeah, this woman, saint or sinner. I don't know. Myrtle Reuter. Myrtle Reuter. She's a a character. I'm telling you, Key West is a very kooky place. So this kind of tracks. It's very on brand for the residents. What what type of person goes, I'd like to buy this house? They're like, by the way, there's a doll that has to stay here with you. And I guess you can keep it now. And they're like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. A former haunted garrison from the Civil War era. The Fort East Martello Museum is itself known to be haunted. Goody Estevez is a docent at the museum and told PBS that when she opens the museum in the mornings, she has to announce her presence and intentions to the spirits, saying, Okay, I'm here. I'm going to take over the fort and I'm going to watch it for you. Estevez has felt footsteps walking behind her, heard doors slam, noticed strange noises and seen shadows. 
all which make her nervous. Despite all the care she takes with the museum and its objects, she still refuses to touch Robert the doll, saying there's just a feeling about him she can't explain. Yeah, this is just a big brick building yep. that's very old, and it looks haunted from the outside. And then you watch interior footage, and you're like, for sure. This place that's is definitely so- haunted. Also, Goody yeah, Estevez, yeah. another great name. It's an awesome name. <laughs> I think she knows Emilio. She has to. She has to. They've got to be that's related. A- Goody is such a cool name. What do you think Goody is short for? There's a, That's a name in the Crucible. I think I thought it was oh, just, a it just a name. Oh, is it just a name? Oh, that's or right. maybe that back is... then that was like lady, like because there was like Mrs. So it almost because there was like Goody Proctor, Goody this. Yeah. So maybe it was more like a like a Miss or Mrs. She doesn't name. seem that old though. She's, no, she, she's like fifties. Yeah, she's about fifty. Yeah. Hmm. Well, at first the museum didn't even put him on display, believing a doll was not a point of interest. But once word spread of Robert's new home, visitors begged to see him. At the museum, Robert has been placed securely inside a glass case, assumedly to protect him from touchy-feely visitors, but also to protect guests and staff from his wrath. He sits on his stool, his legs outstretched with his feet crossed at the ankles. He still wears little Jean's sailor outfit and hat. In his lap sits a small dog with bulging eyes, perhaps a personal toy from his decked-out attic. His once-smooth face is now pocked and nicked, almost as if he has been picking at his own skin. Yeah, he looks kind of unassuming, but it's like the more you stare at it, mm. it sucks you it sucks you in. Something ain't right about him. Mm-mm. Staff members report seeing the doll's facial expressions change, hearing demonic giggling, and some claim to have seen Robert put his small cloth hand up to his glass enclosure, according to Ghost in Graveyard's Haunted Tours. So you're a docent. Mm. It's your turn to go around, turn the lights off, you go to Robert... And you see a little hand pressed against the glass. What do you do? Do you engage him? Do you talk to him? Um, I think my first reaction will be to run. Yeah. What was yours? No, be? I think I might try to reason with him and just be like, "Oh, hey, you you want to sit down? You need a glass of water?" I don't. I don't want to fuck with that doll. <laughs> the he's... My fear is like you turn the light off and then you hear Psh, the glass oh, break. <laughs> and then God. It's like, no. Oh, God. You just hear, eek, the top's getting lifted off. No! Ugh. One morning, when Estevez opened the museum for the day, she found an empty chair had been placed in front of Robert's case. Was this the spirit of Jean Otto come back to visit his once best friend? This may make sense, as Jean had actually designed the gallery himself. When Robert ended up in the place, the two were, in a sense, reunited. That's freaky. That's serendipity right there. It's true. He ended up in his old, his master's old uh, mm. stomping ground. Was he the master? I think Gene I think. was, I think Robert was the master of the house. That's true. He was the man of the mm. house. While all are welcome to visit Robert, rules have been put in place by the museum that everyone must follow upon meeting him. First, you must politely introduce yourself. Then, if you wish to try and capture him on camera, you must ask his permission. However, this does not guarantee your efforts will be successful. Frequently, people trying to document their encounters found their electronic devices malfunctioning. David Sloan experienced this himself. He told PBS when he first visited the doll, he attempted to remove its hat and take a photo. As Sloan approached Robert, he claims that he felt a sentience in the doll. After removing the hat, Sloan found his camera failed to work. When he replaced the hat on Robert's head, he heard the shutter clicks the sound of his camera suddenly working again. 
Lastly, the final rule of the museum states that before leaving, you must make sure to stop by Robert's glass case to bid him farewell. Sounds like he's the man of the museum, he too. He is. Everywhere he goes. This, I was about to say he's got some big dick energy. <laughs> he commands respect. And, and again, we don't know what's down there. So no. everyone's like, you, you, this doll is 30 inches tall. His dick <laughs> is eight. 30 is eight, eight, eight feet long. <laughs> Well, and that, look what happened to David Sloan's camera when he just tried to take the hat off. Mm. I can't imagine somebody trying to take the pants off. Yeah, he's in this glass case. But then I also saw pictures where people are like holding him and taking selfies. I'm not going to hold that thing. Mm-mm. You don't know what you're going to take home with you. No, 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 no. Or all of a sudden you're holding him and you just feel a little squeeze on your ass. No. <laughs> he's just got and his then, and hand then down there. It's little dolly eyebrows. Like, <laughs> hmm? Sinister Hood will be right back. We all know the story of Boy Meets Girl, but what about Girl Meets Girl? Or maybe Boy Meets Girl and they meet another girl. With Dipsy, the stories continue beyond the meet-cute. Come hear what happens behind closed doors. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people in immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush you never made a move on, or that coworker you always had a little thing for, or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who tells you exactly what they'd like to do to you. They release new content every week, so there's always more to explore, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. For Sinisterhood listeners, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash creepy. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash creepy. Dipsystories.com slash creepy. When visitors mock Robert, they often later find themselves reckoning with his wrath. To make amends, they send him letters and emails of apology, which the museum staff tapes to the walls surrounding the doll. Museum curator Corey Convertito told Atlas Obscura that between the fan letters and the apologies, he probably gets one to three letters a day. Since his arrival at the museum, Robert has received almost 1,000 letters, according to All That's Interesting. He gets more fan mail than we do. I know, right? Wait a minute. <laughs> Robert the Doll. <laughs> That's very nice. Must be nice, mm-hmm. Robert the Doll. One such letter from a visitor who mocked Robert was later reproduced by All That's Interesting. It read in part, You certainly made a believer out of me. My girlfriend visited you in the morning of March 2nd, 2009. When she and I passed by you, I made the comment that you were creepy and stated I was not superstitious about old stories like you. That very night, I lost my wallet, containing $240 in cash, both my girlfriend's and my driver's license, as well as credit, debit, ATM cards. Trying to fly out the next day without our photo IDs was next to impossible. Stories like these are not uncommon from those that dare to disrespect the doll. More serious claims have included broken bones, car crashes, and even divorce, all being attributed to a curse from Robert. Sounds like this dude made off pretty good, though, because he lost a bunch of money in their IDs. And if the girlfriend got pissed, he'd just be like, I didn't do it. Robert Robert did it. Yeah. Also, I'd like to be the divorce attorney or the judge that they're like, (laughs) and what are your reasons for divorce? Robert did it. And who's Robert? Is that that, uh, the person you're having an affair with? Some might say. He's just the doll that's cursed, cursed my relationship. 
we we can't seem to reconcile our differences. I have the differences. I have a theory. What's up? What if Robert is helping people out? <gasps> Ooh, he's like the plane you were on yes. was like crashed, or the person next to you would have like coughed on you and given you a disease but the since you got delayed to the mm-hmm. next flight then you're <gasps> maybe he, this whole time people have been like he got us divorced it's like if you would have stayed together you later would have you know he would have killed yeah. you or she you would have been like gone snapped yeah. yeah he's helping everybody maybe we don't know in addition to written forms of apology to break the curses and bad luck guests send robert gifts like money and candy to satisfy his supposed sweet tooth some visitors believe Robert wants something sweeter than candy, however, and will even leave him joints. Convertito remarked to Atlas Obscura, It's completely inappropriate. We are still a museum. I think that's completely appropriate. <laughs> what do you think t- happens to the candy and the joints? Turn- they smoke the joints, eat the candy. <laughs> yeah, turn this museum up a notch. What mm-hmm. if, uh, yeah, but that's, they're like, um, goody. Where are all the joints around Robert's case? She's like, I don't know. Robert did it. Like, you, I mean, it's a foolproof excuse. No one can argue with them. it. They're like, God, I bet Robert did do it. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's just high out of her mind. Blazed as hell. Mm-hmm. Eating that candy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Robert's presence clearly has an effect on both the museum staff and visitors. Goody Estevez says the paranormal activity increases tenfold when Robert isn't there. Every October, Robert is moved to a different museum called the Custom House as part of a special display. Estevez says when Robert is gone, all hell breaks loose in the Martello Museum. She believes that whatever possesses Robert keeps all the other entities that call the museum home calm. And when he is away, they make their unhappiness known. When it becomes too much, Estevez calls the Custom House, letting them know Robert must be returned in order to restore peace and harmony. He's powerful. See, or or he's helping them all. Mm-hmm. That's true. You he's know? like the, the great mediator. There's a fine line between, I don't know, good and evil, I suppose. Or <laughs> Well, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm-hmm. He's trying to help all these people, and they call him evil and say he's cursed. Yep. Mean. The belief that Robert is actually serving as some sort of a protector to the once military fort turned museum is shared by others as well. In an interview with Florida Weekly, David Sloan said that some psychics believe there is a portal beneath the fort, and Robert is trying to stop anything bad from coming through. I don't know what the entities are, but I do not believe they were ever human. Okay, I want to modify my theory because I just thought of something else. Yeah. Instead of being nice, maybe he just wants to be the top dog. Oh, I was thinking Robert Demon Hunter, like Constantine style, or like Blade, who is a vampire but yeah. fights vampires. He's like a demon who fights demons. Ooh. But also maybe he just wants to be the, you know, head doll and doesn't want anybody else maybe to Maybe he challenge. tries to present it as if he's trying to save everyone from these demons, but really his actual motives is that he wants to be the the biggest, baddest demon of all. That's true. He's trying to consolidate power to take over the world. Like a true dictator. That's right. Robert has earned the reputation as the most haunted doll in the world, giving Annabelle a run for her money. But what is the explanation behind his sinister ways? It is believed that the doll may have been given to young Jean by one of the Otto's Bahamian servants. As it would not have been uncommon for the servants to be mistreated, the theory is that the servant placed a curse upon the doll as a means of revenge. 
But this tale could be a result of racist views against Black Key West residents and those who moved to Florida from the nearby islands as a way to blame voodoo on them. That's true. Apparently, that's pretty commonplace when something bad would happen around somebody that was of a different ethnicity that they would say, well, it must be voodoo. They, they cursed me with voodoo. Yeah. It's like some, sometimes you just make bad choices and you're blaming it on people due to racism. Maybe yeah. you're just an asshole. You're an ass. Historian David Sloan thinks Jean was chatting with the spirit of a departed child who took up residence in the doll. This theory alleges that the dead child belonged to Emmeline Abbott. According to the book Robert the Doll by Sloan, Emmeline Abbott was a servant who worked in the auto house. She and her husband William immigrated from the West Indies and began working with the auto family. Sloan has pieced together circumstantial evidence that he believes indicates Thomas Otto, Jean's father, had an intimate relationship with Emmeline. The fact that Emmeline was buried in the Otto family plot, while Minnie, Thomas's wife, elected to be buried elsewhere, adds some weight to this claim. His theory, Sloan's theory, is either it was Emmeline and William's child that they lost or Emmeline and Thomas Otto's. The fact that you don't want to be buried in your family plot, there's something yeah. going on there. There's something yeah. you know about that you don't yeah. want to be a part of. You mad. You mm -hmm. still mad. Very. I'll be pissed even in the afterlife. <laughs> Between 1900 and 1910, around the time of the doll's arrival, Emmeline gave birth to and lost a child. Sloan questions whether Emmeline placed the spirit of the child she lost in the doll in order to stay close to it. Well, that's just sad. Yeah, that's super sad. But, I mean, I, I mean, it, the timeline at least adds up whether she did it or it's just an emotional, you know, if she was really emotional and she was super close to the family and then Gene was emotional thinking he was going to have a little another kid to play with or something and he put a lot of emotion in the doll. You can just like emotionally charge objects, I yeah. think. Others feel that the doll absorbed Jean's emotional energy during the boy's formative years, allowing the doll to become sentient. It's almost like you talk to something so much you can really, you really can hear it talk back to you. Of course, there is always the possibility that Robert has always been nothing more than a harmless doll, and that a precocious Jean used the doll as a way to skirt blame. As Jean developed an unhealthy attachment to the doll, do the lines between reality and fantasy become blurred? If so, could this have led to more serious problems later in life? I'm thinking this might be what's going on here. Somebody, I mean, he supercharged it with his, you know, if you give it that much power, even if you're not actually empowering it to physically move, but you put that much emotional energy, it's going to start ruining your life. I mean, it's going to feel like a curse because your wife's going to be pissed at you. You're going to, you know, maybe you're too obsessed with touching and moving the doll that you miss deadlines. You know, you're you're self-sabotaging and then it gives you an out to blame it on the doll. Perhaps not knowing the origin of Robert's evil mind makes the mystery that much more intriguing and creepy. He has appeared on several ghost hunter shows and continues to be a main attraction on haunted tours around Key West. Visitors flock to meet him at the Martello Museum and hopefully snap a selfie with him. Many replicas of Robert's are even available for purchase from the museum's gift shop for those that wish to invite horror into their lives. No, I'm going to leave that at the gift shop. Nope. Thank and you. Please don't send us one of those. Hell no. <laughs> if we get one of these we'll, things in fucking mail. I swear. We're going to do like we did with a Ouija board and give it to somebody with a uh, release. Uh, yeah. I, I won't even put that on somebody. I will immediately <laughs> take it to the street and light it on fire. That's right. In 2015, a movie titled Robert was released based on actual events from the doll's life, 
It currently has 3.1 out of 10 stars on IMDb. Not doing so hot. Nope. Despite being born in 1904, Robert even has his own Facebook page. According to Ripley's, in 2019, fans took to this page after a thief stole a video player from the museum's exhibit, posting things like, They're messing with the wrong doll. And, Hell hath no fury like a Robert scorned. Perhaps, though, Robert really has been trying to keep the peace for all these years, and continues to do so at the museum he now calls home. Maybe he was merely an innocent bystander to Gene's twisted games. During an appearance at the Atlantic Paranormal Society's convention in Clearwater, Florida, aura reader Sandy DeVoe took a picture of Robert with her special aura-detecting camera. The photo showed colors of blue on the top and purple on the bottom, according to Ghost Theory. DeVoe interpreted these results saying that blue symbolizes deep feeling, communication, peace, and love, while purple often conveys magical, unifying, deep spiritual understanding. Is it possible that Robert has simply been misunderstood for the past 116 years? That's the other thing. What if it's truly a haunted doll and it's truly a nice spirit and Gene Otto was just a huge ass? That's what I'm saying. Gene, I, I blame Gene and all of this. For sure, yeah. He's, I mean, yeah, he was the force behind this. Whether Robert truly is a demonic doll intent to watch the world burn, or rather a misunderstood benevolent being, one thing is certain, those that cross his path will never forget him. For those that are brave enough, he is currently accepting visitors at the Martello Museum. Just be sure to follow the rules, or you might find yourself sending an apology email to robert at robertthedoll.org. Man. So what do we think? Well, I like the theory that Robert's actually a kind of benevolent entity that was he he was blamed for a bunch of stuff he didn't do. And then all of the quote unquote destruction and chaos in everyone's life. I loved that idea that he was saving people from a worse fate. You know, it makes it easier to sleep at night to think that that was <laughs> the Singh's intent. That's for sure. Maybe he was, he truly was trying to be benevolent and Gene was a bad influence on his life. And then now that he's in his case, he's, he's happier. I think Gene is Robert. Like the the whole time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he was either a precocious child that developed issues later in life, or perhaps there was always some problems there that i mean this was the early 1900s nobody talked about that stuff that wasn't like you know no one had therapists and and got help for their emotional well-being so Mm -mm. you know i think that um and because when he got to be an adult and at that time one would rationalize you could recognize fantasy from reality unless something was going on Mm -hmm. that you're not going to insist your childhood toy sit at the dinner table with you while your wife feeds it and then abuse your wife and blame it on the doll that's all like next level stuff right there yeah probably a type of a delusion undiagnosed untreated delusion for all we know robert was trying to save her that's true he was trying to come between them do you think gene when gene passed away his spirit was like around robert or haunted it or something oh gosh what if gene's spirit then went into robert and now Robert really is evil. 
That's true. He used to be nice, and now he's God. There's so many. There's too many options. <laughs> you know what? We're gonna have to watch that um, three point one star movie and see if I'm okay. Have, I was like, do I want to watch this? And I said, Mm-mm. no. I don't want to spend an hour and fifty one minutes watching a three point one uh, star movie. I already did that last night with a movie that had four and a half stars, and then what movie Everest. I'm still on my Everest oh, no. kick. It has gotten. <laughs> I am like full in on everest somebody it, sent us a link national geographic has a click-through thing that you can do like a virtual tour of everest so you might oh i'll have to check that out check that out yeah man i got yesterday i said um babe i got some new everest information and we <laughs> he sat down and i just unleashed it i was like here's what's happening there's body parts all around base camp from all the avalanches because i watched this very eye-opening and upsetting documentary about these Sherpas that arranged amongst themselves to go clean up all the trash in the death Mm -hmm. zone Mm -hmm. because their whole country's water supply is being affected (gasps) because of the runoff from all the trash and the dead bodies and the feces that just litter the mountain. That I mean, the the mountain, the the ice is one of their primary sources of water. So they're like, we don't even care who made this mess. We're just doing this to save our children and our children's children because the government won't step in. It's horrifying. That's so sad. It's really sad. I have a lot of um, hot sports opinions on the commercialization of Everest because the more I've got into it, I'm like, this is just a money making machine that is destroying Mm -hmm. this this mountain and the countries that it resides in. It's what, and you look at it and you're like, it's the same with like Machu Picchu where they Mm -hmm. closed down, and you're like, human beings are a plague. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just started reading Into Thin Air, which is the John Krakauer (laughs) book that's um, a bestseller. He was on the, the whole movie Everest is about the 1996 blizzard where eight people died and John Krakauer was there. He was a journalist for Outside Magazine. And it was not good. It was. Had Just a star sad. star-studded, kind of star-studded cast. I've found that if I'm watching movies like horror movies or even maybe a based on actual events movie mm-hmm. and famous, really famous actors are playing in it, it detaches me from being able to get really into the movie. I felt that way about Amityville Horror with Ryan Reynolds. Yes, exactly. It, he, he's too Ryan Reynolds yes. to be believable as someone else. There are other actors that I feel like, okay, you can be anybody. There's the guy that's in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That's, he's also like a bad guy in Green Mile. And he's like the yeah. little shrimpy guy with the bit like bug eyes. That guy is anybody. Like he can totally blend in and he's whatever character yeah. he is but then you watch some movies and you're like no you're ryan reynolds yes. no no yeah. thank you that's how i was watching this i'm like no you're just jake gyllenhaal playing this character <laughs> yes. but also apart from even the the casting it was just kind of um a, they they didn't ever narrow down on focusing on like the true emotion of stuff and it was just i don't know it was a whole, yeah. it was a lot. So I wasted an hour and 51 minutes watching that. So I wasn't about to waste another no. watching this Robert the Doll movie. No, thank you. Yeah, you see, it's one of those where you can like not even look at the trailer. You can watch stills from this. Yes, yeah. Or you can look at the stills and you go, nope, I'm nope, good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let us know if you guys, I feel like at least we have to have some listeners that have 
seen him because he's in, in Key West. It's it's very. If you have seen him, if you were able to get a picture of him, we'd love for you to send it to us. And also, if you disrespected him, we want to know the, mm. the fate that befell you. Yes. If you have an email that you had to send him to apologizing, <laughs> we'd love to see that. For sure. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and Patreon-exclusive video and audio content, like our weekly mix bags where we share three of our favorite things of the week. For more details on specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Patreon in the top right corner to join today. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch, and keep those pictures coming. If you want some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, or even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop in the top right corner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood Christy. I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and on Twitter at Christy or GTFO Heather. I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts. Indy Jade. Lucy Razor. Aubrey Kahn. Sam Solomon. Jessica Gates. Jessica Vanderberg. Courtney Hurtline. Allison Hinman. Felina Luna. Croy Frigo. Trisha Tower. Jana Jackson. Rebecca. Aisa Keys. Allie. Brandy Ledesma. Jenny Shale. Kayla Ripp. L.B. Arlen Escobedo. Madeline Adler. Lauren Fitzpatrick. Katie Hester. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show during these trying times. We seriously couldn't do this without you. We love you. We appreciate you. And keep it creepy. If, like, the doll meets doll. <laughs> I'm still recording, by the way. Was I supposed to push stop? Okay, I'll stop.